Lord God, we acknowledge that this is first and foremost, it is your word. These are not the words of man about God. These are the words of God to man. So allow us now to, to not only understand them, but to be moved by them in our affections and allow us to see our circumstances through the truth of them that we might obey you and honor you. Help us to know that you are a great and mighty God, that you love us very much, and we can trust you because you're good. Give us the confidence to know you have a plan for what we're going through right now. And Lord, give us the faith to simply obey you, to walk in your love and obey you. So that whatever circumstance we may be in, we will see you at work and enjoy the benefit of your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God has a plan for your good, and it brings him glory. So know that the Lord is at work. God is at work. And we talked about last week that God is at work in our challenges. There's no doubt about that. Studying the life of Joseph, we, we looked at that last week. If you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and go now to uh, Genesis chapter 45. Uh, I'm going to be in chapter 50 uh, to preach, but I want to again just give you some background. We, we saw, beginning in chapter 37 last week, that Joseph was a bit of a spoiled child, which led to the hatred of his brothers who sold him into slavery, and it caused many challenges in his life. Not only did Potiphar's wife create injustice, but he was placed in this pit, and, and it was just unfair. Life was very unfair for Joseph. But God was at work, and, and he was using it for good. And so Joseph was able to, to trust God in his challenges when things were, were going bad. But as the story continued on, Joseph was able to interpret the dream of Pharaoh and because of that, he was given second command of all of Egypt. So now he's this great success. And so you look in, in verse uh, in verse forty in chapter forty five rather, and you go to verse thirteen. He through uh, circumstances that he somewhat manipulated to discover the hearts of his brothers has now revealed himself to his brothers. His dad still thinks he's dead, so he's telling his brothers to go home. But look what he says in his success: You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt. And of all that you have seen, hurry and bring my father down here. He's succeeding now. He's, he is in success. He wants his dad to see, hey, that dream I told you about happened. I'm a huge success. And Pharaoh hears about what's going on. And so look down in verses 18 and, and 19 and 20. And he, he, Pharaoh says, yes, yes, go get your daddy. And, and, and here, here's the wagons and here's all the great stuff. And Tell them just to leave that Palestinian junk and come down here and get the best of Egypt because you are big, man. You've got it. Tell them to come on. I, I want to share all of this greatness. And that's what happens. And so you go to chapter 46 and, and you look in verse 26. And so here comes Jacob, Israel, with all the sons. And so you see, just really, when you think about it in the great grand scheme of things, I mean, it's really only a, a handful of people. But it was from this handful of people that the nation of Israel would come. Some 1.2 million people after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, which, by the way, if you go back to Genesis 15, 13, write that down, go back and, and study it if you didn't last week. Genesis 15, 13, God said, hey, this is my plan. He tells Abram, there's going to be a day when all your descendants will be for 
400 years in bondage in Egypt. This is my plan. So why did Joseph have to be sold into slavery? Why did he have to go down to the pit? Why did all that bad stuff have to happen? To accomplish God's purpose, because God was at work. So why all this success? Why is now all this success coming to him? Because God is at work. Understand, God is at work in your challenges. God is at work in your success. And I will tell you, it is far more difficult to trust God in your success than it, than it is your challenges. So what Abraham Lincoln said, I believe this. This is, this is good stuff. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Joseph had power. He was success. And, and friends, I want, to, I want to say something to you. I want to make sure you understand this. Our problem and our greatest benefit and blessing is never our circumstances. All your circumstances do are reveal your true character, your true identity, what you really have faith in. See, if you're facing challenges, if things are hard right now, your true character is coming out. Who do you really trust? Yourself, culture, or Christ? In your success, in your success, your character will really shine. When, when you when you don't when you think you don't have to depend on God, when you choose to depend on Him, it says something about you. See, something gets harder to trust in God during your challenges. I disagree. I, I think it's harder when when we know. You know what? I desperately need God, even though there's nothing physically out there telling me I desperately need God. Joseph was a man who understood God. He understood that God was at work, and he wanted to join in and be a part of it. He trusted them in his challenges, but then he does what is the most difficult thing any can do, which is to trust God in his success. And to see and to join God in what, how God was at work in his success. Let's go together now to Genesis chapter 15. And let's focus on verses 19 through 21. Macy, won't you come on out? Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And Macy's going to read this. And here's our focus for how how to join God in what He's doing in the midst of our success. Macy, go ahead and read that for us. But Joseph said to them, "Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good." to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus be comforted them and spoke kindly to them. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Macy. If you guys would, go ahead and be seated. I can imagine how painful that was for Joseph to have to deal with that, right? That little section. See, at this point, he's already... He's already been showing his kindness to his brothers 20 years. 20 years, almost. And now that his father has died, his, his brothers are thinking, okay, so now the real Joseph's going to come out. Now Joseph's going to do, and I'm, I'm imagining what they're thinking is, now Joseph's going to do what I would have done. Now that dad is dead, he's going to do to us what we did to him. I can imagine the, the heartbreak in Joseph. He said, God, no, 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 in my success, I want to join God. God is at work in this. Friends, be very careful of your success because it can destroy you. There are two men 
that used to be my trusted counselors and confidants that were in the ministry. And they became successful. They became wealthy. And they're no longer walking with God. And I don't trust them and I don't respect them. And their success, their character came out. That's why sometimes you guys ask me for books. Hey, could you give me a book on this? I'm so hesitant to give you a living author for fear of what they might ultimately do. I trust dead people, right? I used to know where they stand. I, uh, there's been some of you, and I've had to apologize to you because I've given you and recommended books by my friends and sermons by people I know who wandered from the faith. And these are ministers and pastors. Success has a way of sickening the soul. They need. I have to be so careful. And, and I know what we all think. We think we can handle it. We think, oh, we're not like them. You know, we're not like the mayor of Nashville. If I was the mayor of Nashville, I wouldn't have done something that stupid. I wouldn't have lost my career over that, I'm sure. You know, here's a person who is intelligent. And just do it all away. Respected, well, appreciated. Over what? What, what you may not know, which was interesting to me about uh, Megan Barry, is that she was a former ethics and compliance officer for Metro Government. The first executive order she signed put into law and put into effect the very things she was telling everybody else not to do is the very thing she did. Why? Because when you become successful, you get this idea that maybe the rules don't apply to you anymore. All of a sudden, you get to make choices other people don't have to, you know, you can do things that other people don't, aren't supposed to do. You can, you can choose what you want. It doesn't really matter what God says. It really doesn't matter. You're, because you're now, because you're successful. Think about lottery winners. You know, there's a guy, he actually makes his living consulting. His name is Don McNay. Look what he says about lottery winners. So many of them wind up unhappy or wind up broke. People have had terrible things happen. People commit suicide. People run through their money. They go through divorce or people die. Just It's just upheaval that they're not ready for. It's the curse of the lottery because it made their lives worse instead of improving them. That's what success many times does. How many successful people get divorced? So many successful people take their lives. So many successful people destroy all that is good because they don't have the character to sustain the blessing of the success. There's a guy, uh, his name is um, John Whitaker. He won $315 million in the lottery. You think that fixed his life? Look what he said. I wish we'd torn that ticket up. I just don't like Jack Whitaker. I don't like the hard heart I've got. I don't like what I've become. You think money's going to fix your problems? You think change of circumstance is going to fix you? You think power? You think possessions? What about popularity? How many of you guys remember the TV show uh, John and Kate Plus 8? How many of you guys watched that? And here they are now, broken. All that popularity. Here's what the husband had to say, John. Yes, the kids got to travel the world, and yes, they got these fabulous things, and yes, they have trust funds, and yes, they're taking care of it educationally. Great, but developmentally, they have problems. Now, what about you? How would you handle that kind of power? How would you handle those kinds of possessions? How, how would you handle that kind of popularity? 
you sitting here right now, listen to me, you're very successful. And I don't feel successful. You are. I have dear friends in Africa right now. They woke up this morning and they had to go and do some work to get enough to buy breakfast for their family. And they're probably working right now to get something for lunch. And they, they're probably going to have to do some work this afternoon to get enough money to buy food for their dinner tonight. We're rich friends, every single one of us. The poorest in America is amongst the richest in the world today. Now, what are you doing with your success? How can you join God in, in, in His work and your success? Because God is at work. How can you turn this into a blessing rather than to something that's going to destroy your marriage, destroy your soul, destroy your relationships, and cause harm to other people? Joseph shows us how we see it right here in this text. There's some things you got to believe, all right? And I want to share those with you. And they're right here in, in verses 19 through 21 in, in, in Genesis chapter 50. So let's learn these together and let's be blessed by them. The first thing you got to do is this. you got to believe. you got to believe that God places people for His kingdom purpose. You gotta believe that. Joseph knew his place. Look in verse 19, look what it says. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Joseph, <laughs> I appreciate the honesty here, an honesty that many people and I've seen in the world, sometimes in myself, don't have. Because there's some people when you when you ask them, how is it that you gained your success? They'll say, oh, I worked hard and I got an education and I, 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 I. Joseph said, I'm not in the place of God. I'm in the place God put me. Because Joseph was honest. He would say, yeah, I didn't plan for y'all to throw me into slavery and I didn't plan for Potiphar's wife to arrest me and I didn't plan to end up in jail and I sure didn't plan to be able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. God put me here. But there are many of us who say, oh, no, no, all my success is because of me and how smart I am. I, really, did you choose your family? Wow. I, I definitely want to meet you. I've never met anybody who got to choose the, the people they were born to or that raised them. How did you get that education? How did you get to live in this country? How did you get that job? How did you get the, the know-how? You created that? Wow, I'd like to hear more about that. Is the sarcasm thick enough for you yet? Friends, you are where you are by the grace of God. Know your place, and it will give you great freedom to be able to say, why am I here? Why do I have these blessings? Because God is good, and because He has a purpose for you. Think about where you are in life right now. Do you understand that God has a kingdom purpose for where you are right now? Or are you so caught up in yourself that all you care about is your, your small k kingdom purpose? The Lord has so much more for you. And if you will join Him, you will find such a great blessing. Not only will you be free from the negative effects of what sin, I'm sorry, of success and, and what challenges can bring, but they will actually become the very blessings that God uses in your life. You've got to know your place. Second thing, write it down. You've got you to believe that God provides resources for His kingdom purpose. Resources. The first and greatest resource that God has given to us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Friends, as you face trials of many kinds in your challenges, in your success, we call those things brokenness. Remember where those come from. Remember where the brokenness comes from. And when you're talking to people, when you're counseling people, listen, if you're walking with God, there are going to be times when people are going to come and say, hey, I want to talk to you. How do you do this? Or when you're facing challenges in your success or, 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 or when, when things are going hard, when, you're, when there is brokenness, remember where that comes from. You know, we talk about the three circles, but so many times I think we miss the real point here. What causes our brokenness is sin. Our brokenness and our problems are not because of our circumstances. Let me say this again. Your circumstances, whether they are very, very difficult or are very, very successful, all they are doing is revealing your character, your identity, who you really are. Your circumstances don't make you. They define you. They enable you to be defined. They enable you to reveal who you really are. And so whether things are going great or whether things are extremely difficult, what you can always know is that there's going to be brokenness. There's always going to be difficulty in relations, difficulty in decision-making. There will always be things. Where does that come from? The heart issue of sin. So what will set us free? Repenting of self-dependence. Turning away from trusting in self and instead believing in the gospel, in the fact that Jesus Christ has come to give you new life. And if you will repent and believe, he will allow you to recover and pursue his design for your life. Is it going to be easy? No, it takes faith. You have to trust his love, and when you do, you will love him. And if you love him, you will obey him. And that obedience will, will be seen in your use of resources. See, Joseph understood why God had provided these resources, that there was a kingdom purpose. Look in verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. What's he saying? I am where I am. I am in this place because of God. And these resources that I have, I have them for God's kingdom purpose. Is that the way you look at your resources? You have three crucial resources that you're going to be primarily accountable to God for. Write these three words down. You've been given time, money, and energy. That, that heartbeat you just had, that one's about to come, grace. That, that breath you're about to take in right now, don't you hate it when people say that because it always makes me go, it's a breath? Am I breathing? God did that. So this resource of, of time, of money, of energy, how are you using it? Is it first and foremost about God? Is it first and foremost about you? And remember, you will be held accountable for this. Here's the thing. God owns it all. All we are is stewards. We are being given responsibility for it right now. But the one who owns it all, we will have to give an account to him for what we did with it. What does that look like for you right now? See, this time, this money, this energy, all of it is for Him. What He commands and demands is that we give the very first part of it to Him. It's all His. 
He calls us to first to put Him first in all of it. So that's why we gather on Sunday morning. It's the first day of the week. And what we're, in es- what we're doing in essence this morning is we're saying, God, you're first. Before work, before everything else, you're first. I'm giving this time to you. Do, do your, does your employer, do your friends, do the people you live around, do they know that you put God first on Sunday mornings? I hope they do. What about your money? Is it, does it go to God first? See, every time we get resources, God commands that we give the first 10% to Him to say to Him, you're first. There's also opportunities for tithes and offerings, but we give that to Him first to say, God, it's yours. You're first. I want to be a part of what you're doing. What about your energy? Do you give that to God? Is that first part? Do you, do you say each morning, Lord God, this day is yours. I'm going to serve my family with this energy, my spouse with this energy. I'm going to serve those at work, but I'm going to do it with your grace and your goodness and love. No matter how they treat me, I am here. I'm serving you. Are you a good steward? You're going to be accountable to God for that. He's giving you time. He's giving you money. He's giving you energy. Do you give what's left over, if anything? Or do you give what's best and first? See, if if you're not careful, friends, your success is going to corrupt your soul. You're going to start thinking that that time and that money and that energy is all about you. And once it becomes all about you, it becomes tainted with sin. And once sin is sown into your soul, it produces destruction. And that's why some of you are struggling the way you are. Wake up. Wake up to the grace that God has given to you. And understand that where you are, your place, is because of God's kingdom purpose. Your resources are for God's kingdom purpose. And the last thing, you've got to believe. Write it down. you got to believe that God produces grace for His kingdom purpose. I just pictured Joseph with tears in his eyes when he's talking to his brothers in verse 21. That last part especially. Look what it says. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What did he do? He showed grace. It would have been so easy once his dad died. Say, okay, guys, remember what you did to me? Remember how you sold me in slavery? Remember how you left for me for dead? Okay, now I'm going to do it to you. And that would have been so easy, but you know what? It would have been completely contrary to the purpose of God. The Lord has determined there would be 12 tribes from whom the nation would, would be made. And if you notice, going back, and I hope you read Genesis 37 through 50 like I encourage you, if you read chapter 38, you're thinking, what in the world is this whole Judah junk about? Well, if you remember, that crummy individual becomes the great, 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 great granddaddy of Jesus. God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us grace. Guess what he expects us to give to other people? The very thing he's given to us. Please understand, one of the biggest problems in your life today is not your circumstances, but your heart. And understand, one of the greatest things that is contaminating your heart today is a lack of forgiveness. An unwillingness to be like Christ. Joseph was like Jesus. We've had so many models over the decades, centuries, and millennia of those who are like Jesus. You take 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who as a young preacher in the early days of the Civil Rights Movement was preaching, and he was interrupted in the middle of the sermon and was told that his house had just been bombed where his wife and baby daughter were. And he rushed home, imagining the worst, found the front of his house blown up. But thankfully, his wife and daughter were at the back of the home. Well, word had spread, and black men and women were beginning to gather at, at Dr. King's home, and they were mad. And white police officers began to gather because they were scared. And, and there was a, a little bit of pushing, and a bottle was thrown, and a white officer hit a, a black man, and there was about to be a, an absolute mob scene with death and, and, and all kinds of suffering pain. And the chief of police, who just two weeks earlier in the paper had reported his support for a white supremacist group and a, an oppression of black people, came to Dr. Martin Luther King and said, please do something before there's a massacre. Dr. Martin Luther King got on his porch he said, don't do anything panicky. Don't get your weapons. He who lives by the sword shall perish by the sword. The crowd grew still. He said, we must love our white brothers no matter what they do to us. We must make them know that we love them. Jesus still cries out in words that echo across the centuries. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. This is what Joseph did, because this is what Jesus did. Think about how much Joseph was like Jesus. He was sold into slavery. When Jesus was sold by Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. That was the common price for a common slave. He was abandoned by his brothers, just as Jesus was. He was left for dead. He became dead to his father. And don't forget that Jesus, dying on the cross, cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Because in that moment, he was dead to his father. Don't forget, just as Joseph had to go to a, a long distance to get to the place where God's salvation could be revealed, Jesus had to leave heaven to come to this dirty world so far away that we might be redeemed. And don't forget, just as Joseph had to come out of that pit, so Jesus Christ came out of that grave to be alive, that we might be saved. Friends, where you are is by the grace of God. The resources you have are by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God you are saved. Are you willing to acknowledge that? Are you willing to say, Lord, I believe that and I'm grateful to the depth of my heart. And so in my circumstance, I want to join you in your work. Friends, I'm telling you, you are all successful. And if you will not turn to God and if you will not join God in, in what He's doing because God is at work, your success be your destruction. Now, some of you are not followers of Jesus. And I want you to understand the danger that you're in, not only in death, but in this life. Friends, please turn to Jesus right now. 
If you do not, you're going to wreck your soul, your friendships, your marriage, your children. Anything and everything that comes in contact with you is going to be contaminated with sin. Please, for your sake and the sake of those you care about, give your life to Jesus Christ today. Many of you are disciples of Jesus. But He's not first in your life. Why? Why is your time and your money and your energy being withheld from Him? Do you really think that you know better than God? Trust Him. And put Him first for your soul's sake. And what about your own heart? Is there anyone you need to forgive? Do you need restoration in a relationship? Give what Christ has given to you. And if you will, there will be a blessing on the other side. There can be new life where there's grace. Now I know, well, ask them, that like me, in and of yourself, you can't do this. As I listened to my own sermon this week, I thought, well, I can't do that. And God said, yep, you need me. So this morning, I want to invite you to come to God and say, just get on your knees and sort of say, Lord, I need your help. And what you might have to say is what I had to say, which was first to say, Lord, I don't even know if I want to do this. Give me the want. And then give me the faith. And please do a miracle. There's been a joy in my heart this week because of that. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, we have just a moment to sing of your great grace. And, and also just to come and get on our knees and ask for your favor. Some to be saved. Some to, to, to make a renewed commitment to say, Lord God, I want to put you first with my time and, and money and energy. Others who know there needs to be a change in their heart toward another. Those who need help to want to have the faith to trust you, to believe that you're going to work good in, in their obedience. Father, I know some here, as, as we all are, we, we can't see what you can do. We can only see what we can do and what, the, what happens in the world. Give us spiritual eyes that can see what you alone can do, how you did it for Joseph and how you've done it for so many others who trust and obey. Lord, would you now allow us to say with all integrity, I give you my life. I give you my trust. Jesus, Jesus. Come to him and pray as we sing.